Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I am so excited to have with me Yael Wallfish. She is an experienced social worker with a strong background in providing targeted and effective therapy and case management to children, adolescents, and families. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Yael. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so excited. Yeah. So you have this long background in working with kiddos. Can you talk a little bit more about your career? Yeah. So I've been working with children for years. Probably before I became a social worker, I was a camp counselor, and then I worked with geriatrics and children in early intervention. And in the past about 10 years, my husband and I have an in-home counseling agency where we provide assessments and counseling for children 5 to 18 in the community that for children that are at risk. So this could be just a child that's acting out, depressed, angry, or it could be more serious like the juvenile detention centers, the psychiatric units, really anybody. And in the past four years or so, about five years ago, I was introduced to this approach called the nurtured heart approach. And for about the last four years, I've been training parents, teachers, and therapists in this approach. So you work with a lot of what are often considered the misfits, the problem kids. How do you see that group of kids? Because I think you have a different perspective on who they are and why they're struggling. Right. So I meet all sorts of kids. Sometimes they say to me, I'm ADHD, I'm ODD. You know, they give themselves all sorts of labels. They say, I have anger management. And then I say to them, okay, so I want to know more about you. They kind of, they have an idea that they are their label. And I believe that we all have these labels. Like we all see ourselves in certain light. And these challenging children, they, they really get the most connection, relationship, and energy in their negativity. So they might have taken on that label, but I believe that that's all that is and that we can create, we can help them see who they really are when we help them pass those labels. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. And I couldn't agree with you more in my work as well. I, I have a lot of families come to me with kids who have a lot of the diswords, the disorders, and they have really establish their identity for themselves in those labels. And to your point, it, it's it's such a negative identity and that's how they see themselves. And when I come along and get the the pleasure of showing them what's positive and perfect about them, there's an immediate transformation. So the labels that we use with our kids are so important. And I know, you know, a lot of the labels that are given are well-intentioned, but it it certainly can have this um, incredibly negative effect on the child's sense of self-worth. Yeah. So, so and, what, and like a glass ceiling, I think. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> go right ahead. Like I feel like a glass ceiling effect, like 
they can't be any better than that as long as they have those labels. But I love the word that you said, transformation, because that's what I really believe in. Like, I believe that when we pass those labels and we help them identify who they really are, they really transform. So I love how you use that word, kind of a vision that I have too. So if those quote unquote bad labels create a bad outcome, what kinds of labels or words should be, we be using with our kids? Right. So these challenging children get so much connection, relationship, and energy in those labels. But when we, in, the, in our interactions and the way we see children and the moments that we can start building a new, let's say, portfolio, that's how Howard Glasser, the developer of the Nurtured Heart Approach, he talks about portfolio. Right, and that how we can create a new portfolio. So in our interactions with children, in finding moments of success and building those moments and giving children clear evidence of their success, we can create these new opportunities for children. So let's say we find a child that is generally unfocused and they can't do their work and you know they're they're disorganized and things are everywhere and we catch them for one minute, like doing their work and being focused and being responsible. And we say to that child, you know, Mark, I see how you have your books out and you're focused and you're doing your work. You are so responsible. And how we build those moments, we can create a new identity for these children. So there's two parts. First, you have to be looking for those kind of kachi being good moments And then I love that you used a positive label. You know, look what a good job you're doing. You are responsible. So do I have that right? Is that kind of the two-part formula? I think so. But I just want to add to what you're saying because when children are acting out, like they're aggressive, they're breaking things, they're out of control, their escalations are strong, See, people tell me, okay, they're already looking to catch kids being good. It's just not working. And I want to just add to what you're saying. With an intense child waiting to catch them being good, we might be waiting, like, forever. You know, like that child that's just constantly defiant. So I think it's it's more than catching them being good. We're creating an intentional lens of success when we're honing in on any moment, like that child that is tantruming and they just can't tantrum anymore and they can't breathe and they calm down for a second just to catch their own breath and we can start noticing them. Wow, I see you're taking a deep breath. I see you're calming yourself down. You are in control and we're creating those moments of success. That's what I'm kind of adding to this piece because I think most parents are saying to themselves, like, we've already tried to catch them being it. That is just not working. This kid is just not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Mm, that's really insightful. So it's creating success, and then it's helping the child see that success and being very specific with them. And sort of speaking into the situation, the kind of success outcome you're looking for and want for them. Yes giving over the values in the moments that they're open to it. See, I'm a mother of five, and I could see how every parent wants the best for their child, 
right? Like who doesn't? Even like, you know, wherever I go, whether I'm going into the detention centers or the hospitals or in the community, everyone wants to share their values with their children. But often we try to share our values when they're acting out, you know, like, why can't you be more responsible? Why can't you be helpful? Why are you guys fighting? You're supposed to get along. And the idea is that when we create those moments of success and we notice the child and that's when we can give over our values. You know, I see you being helpful. I see you noticed how your sister was sad. I see you're really a caring, empathic brother, right? Then that's when we can build those values and the vision that we have for our children in those moments where they're open. And we're also building their self-esteem. I'm assuming that's a big part of our kids growing up to be successful as adults, right? Yeah, we're building that in our world. We're like piece by piece building moment after moment. And intense children, we might have to, you know, children that have that portfolio of negativity, like you were saying, all those labels, we might have to work relentlessly at it, at building and building success. And, you know, what's so amazing is that I see it really working. Like I I go into the detention centers. I have this 16-year-old girl that I met, and she tells me that she's out of control. She is oppositional, angry. She was actually in the detention center because she was in a shelter and she worked the, she broke the shelter worker's nose when she was angry and she made no eye contact, didn't talk to me, you know, kind of just like amicable, but not engaged. And I said to her, I said, you know, what do you want to be one day, you know, when you're not here in the detention center? And she said, I want to be a nurse. And I said to her, do you know what that says about you? That that shows how caring and empathic you are. You really care about helping others. And you know, she looked at me, she nodded, and she started to engage. And her whole body language was different. And when we start to find those moments and build those moments, see, there was no success for her at that moment. We could look at it like catching her being good, right? She's in a detention center. She broke somebody's nose. She has all these labels. But when we catch that moment and we create that moment of success and then build that moment and then help a child see that as their identity, that that absolutely impacts their inner world or their self-esteem, their their strength within. Yeah, I'm a firm believer that everyone already has what they need to thrive. It's just sometimes we have to dig a little to uncover it because it's been piled over with all of the labels and bad experiences they had, but it's there. And I agree with you. It's there. And having that strengths-based approach, I think that's why it has so much power because that person doesn't have to be something they're not. They don't have to, you know, become something they're not. It's just about uncovering what's already within you have the words out of my mouth. That's, that's really how I feel. I feel like we, you know, sometimes get bogged down with negativity with what's going on. And we, you know, stop kind of believing in ourselves. I think as parents too, you know, as I'm helping parents and teachers and therapists, I'm also helping them uncover who they really are so they can help that child uncover, you know, their own greatness within. But sometimes we kind of like stop believing in ourselves, you know, people go to 
the therapist, the psychiatrist, you know, whoever is in their life, whoever's trying to help them, and they hear all these labels, and they kind of stop believing in the child and in their greatness within, and even in themselves as parents. Like, that's a huge passion of mine. You know, we're, we really have what it takes. We just might not see it at certain moments. So do you see patterns in families? I mean, is there often sort of a systemic generational impact that's going on in the instances that you go into? Trying to think. I mean, I, I see patterns like it's just, you know, it might be a, you know, a cycle of escalation in the home where the, you know, the child escalates and the adults and the child and the adults and they just don't know how to stop. I guess I don't look so deeply whether it's, you know, where it's coming from or what's happening. I just try to help them in that moment develop like a new portfolio for themselves of interacting. So I definitely see patterns of children that are anxious and then they they get a lot of energy connection and relationship for that or a child that is bothering other people and, you know, kind of doesn't know how to stop or I do see patterns and people I don't know if it's making sense what I'm saying, but I'm just, I'm kind of helping them at that moment, build positivity, you know, stop energizing. It's basically a three stand approach that I use through the nurtured heart approach that I was taught. Um, it's about not giving energy to negativity, right? No energy, no lectures, reprimands, warnings, crime scene investigations, like no not believing in a child and their greatness within. So that's like the first stand, no energy to negativity. And the second idea that's fundamental to the nurtured heart approach is absolutely yes to positivity. We're gonna create, nurture, and hijack success. Right? We're gonna find any firsthand experience of success and build that success, help children see their greatness within and notice them. Like they don't have to do anything so incredible for us to connect and see them and be with them. Right. And our energy is the prize. So that's the idea. And that's how we start building a new portfolio for a child. And then the third idea is absolutely clear with the rules. Right. So we're clear with the rules and the consequence in the nurtured heart approach is a reset. And it's not punitive. It's just a way of getting back on track. So what's amazing is that the limit and the consequence are really a life skill for a child because when they learn to reset, that's like that changes everything. So I think with the patterns that you're talking about, I guess the way I got into this is what the approach is, is that it's a pattern of teaching adults and children the same ideas at the same time of, you know, not giving energy to negativity energizing every moment of success in their life and learning to be clear about what they need and being able to like reset themselves and get back on track. Cause I don't even know what else could be, you know, could help anyone else, but like those three fundamentals to me are really a life path. Right. And to your point for adults and kids alike, it's easy for adults to sort of wallow in the negativity not seek out the success in our own lives, right? And then struggle to reset. So I, I see that as being across the board applicable. And then, of course, especially with kids. But I want to revisit the idea of resetting because, you know, I'm thinking about my own life, right? You're in the middle of dinner and your kids aren't eating or they're misbehaving or, you know, 
they're not following the directions. You ask them to clean their room five times and they're still fooling around. Tell me practically, what does it look like to reset versus, you know, threaten them with timeout a million times over or letting it slide? I mean, walk me through what this really looks like in practice. The idea is that we're resetting ourselves and giving energy to negativity. And we're absolutely energizing every moment of success. So we're, we're turning the energy upside down in our lives with our family and our children. It's not always so simple. It's a skill that builds. So the way I describe a reset is imagine like if you come into your house and you have this like incredible toaster oven and it makes your favorite toast and eggs and coffee and Whenever you want it, it's there and it like smells good and it tastes good and it's accessible to you, right? And every once in a while, it's unplugged and like you don't, you know, it's not making your toast and eggs and then you can plug it back in and then it's working again and it's accessible to you. So the idea of a reset is that we're, we're just unplugging. It's really just a limit an unplug of energy, and it becomes more and more powerful over time. For me, it's been such a gift. And just the way that we're teaching our values to our children in those moments of success, we start to notice our children for the ability to reset and ourselves for being able to reset. And so at the moment where the child, you know, we let the child know that they need to reset, we're, we're also going to reset ourselves. We might take a deep breath and wait for that first moment of success that we can build after that. And I know it's kind of like a leap of faith, but I've been teaching, I don't know, hundreds, I probably, I don't even know how many people at this point. And it's really incredible how adults can learn how to reset you know, mothers, teachers, and children. You know, I have this woman that just said to me, you know, her daughter was crying in the car. Her mother told her she had to stay buckled and she was having a tantrum. And this child, this toddler was two and a half. And before she knew it, before she intervened, her daughter said, it's okay, I reset. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Bless her heart. Yeah. To me, it's amazing because I started this when my kids were already a little bit older, but you can really teach these children a gift for life. And whether it's at two or like 42, that skill of being able to reset can change marriages, lives, help children. Like all they need to know is that, you know, there's no energy at that moment and then they can get right back to themselves. And as soon as they do, we can let them back in. We can recognize them. Wow. Like instead of the old way, you know, before I knew this approach, you know, where I'd be like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm really upset right now. I need to take a break. I can't respond because of X, Y, Z. Now I can say to the child, wow, you took a deep breath. You reset yourself. You're speaking respectfully. Of course, I want to hear what you have to say. I love that. And I also like... I mean, it's amazing. A little two and a half year old is saying, it's okay, I reset. But it gives that control back, right? Because often when we're in that moment, parents or kids alike, but especially kids are, you know, it's easy to get overwhelmed with emotion and that's where they're acting out. 
and they've even lost themselves in it. And it feels like the emotions or the external circumstances are controlling them. Whereas reset feels like it really takes that power back. You know, I have the control to unplug. I have the control to not be ruled by emotion right now. And that's so empowering for kiddos, I would think. Is, I mean, is that what you see? To me, this is amazing. Like you're giving a child a life gift. And I love how you spoke about control because I think this is like a huge foundation of the whole approach is we can't control anyone, right? So when we let go of that, the child can step into them their real self. Like we can't make sure that they don't have that tam- temper tantrum. We can't make sure that they're respectful, that they're responsible, but we can get let go and we can notice the moments that they are respectful, the moments that they are responsible, the moments they are focused. And as we do this, they can step into themselves and they can learn how to reset because we notice them. It might not be a moment. Maybe that teen was totally angry and frustrated and then they reset. We had, oh, I have to tell you a story. We we trained, a, my husband and I, we do this together often, and we trained a residential center as our first place that we trained. And we were scared because we got there and they were incredible, loving staff at a residential center. Like you couldn't, I couldn't imagine kinder people to work with kids. And this residential center is for kids that I can't live at home because they're so out of control. And though we had never done this before, we didn't really know what we were doing. We were seeing such amazing success. So one of the stories was that a teen about 16 years old was getting escalated and she was saying, I want to throw things. I want to break things. I want to hurt someone. And they were in the middle of this training and the worker said to her, wow. You want to break things, you want to throw things, you want to hurt someone, but you are handling those strong feelings, you are angry, and you have self-control. You are showing that right now. And guess what? They were about to hospitalize her, and she totally calmed down, reset, got back on track, and they were able to recognize her for it. Wow. And from then on... the natural... Right, right. The natural way they were getting, she was getting escalated. What do you do when you're in a residential center and there's somebody that's, you know, becoming threatening? That's what they do. But with these tools, they were able to recognize, you know, the truth of the moment was that she was really angry. She was really frustrated. She wanted to do really, you know, harsh things and she wasn't. And that's the power of it. You know, and we can all relate to this. It could be a 16 year old. It could be a two year old. It could be a five year old. But we can start recognizing all those moments of success. You know, you, you wanted to throw that toy and you didn't, you were really angry. We can recognize their feelings because we want them to, to be aware and to use those feelings in life. And, and you're being so powerful in your decisions, right? We can build those moments for them. And then they can start to know that about themselves. That's a great example. Especially because I see how typically what's done is totally different, right? Typically, that young woman would be condemned for having the emotions, which to your point, that just, I would think, adds to the spiraling because now she feels guilty for having emotions that she 
you know, you can't really control having the emotions. Not We don't want her to be emotionless, but she's doing the good job of of controlling her behaviors coming from those emotions. And that's great. So rather than making her feel bad or guilty for having emotion, it's celebrating the success of dealing with it properly. But that is not the obvious conclusion, right? That's, that is not the outcome that I would think happens most of the time, at least without your help. So I want to hear from you. What would you say to parents who are listening and feel like their situation is hopeless. They are at the end of their rope. They've just, they've been fighting with their kids. They've tried everything. What do you want to say to them? I really get it. Like I really, I think parenting is so humbling. It's really challenging, especially with these children that, you know, have become intense, whether, you know, they were born that way, whether whatever they've been through. And I guess personally, I was, I have to say, I was super skeptic of trying this approach. I actually did not want to go to the first workshop I went to, you know, to learn this approach. And it just, it just struck me how powerful this is. I've experienced intensity as a mother, as a social worker, going into people's homes. And I guess. I'm so passionate about sharing this approach because we can really turn things upside down. We can really help our children find that greatness within. And one thing that's really incredible is that I think before the children change, like I do a six week online training and before there's change with the children, like sometimes there is change right away, but if there's not the parents, start to see all the moments of success. They see their own greatness within. They start to find hope. And I give tools. And between the tools and finding hope again, and like starting to connect with their own success, feel like they're they're able to get back to themselves, you know, the parents. And with time, even the really intense ones I find really respond. So I guess I I want to say to the parents, don't give up. It's sometimes so hard. Like maybe you went to a therapist, maybe you had a school meeting, maybe you went to a therapist, maybe you've gone to a psychiatrist and things have only escalated. And sometimes we just get stuck in that vicious cycle and we don't know how to get out. And I, I really get that. And my passion is really helping those parents, helping them find their greatness within because we have it inside, you know, we have to access it. Sometimes we have that clarity, but we sometimes just don't, we don't know how to get back to it. So what I love about this approach is it's so simple that hopefully some of these listeners can repeat some of it right away. And it's so deep that it takes tools, time, and really like an unstoppable, relentless resolve to really follow through and to work with that real intensity and to, you know, and to help a child get back to their real self. How can listeners connect with you? I have a website. It's centerforgreatness.com. And I'm on LinkedIn. And they could just reach out to me. I'm happy to share my online course or anything I could to get them into the right direction. That's wonderful. Well, this has been hugely helpful already. I mean, I've learned so much from this brief conversation. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and your stories. and 
just your transformational impact that you're making in folks' lives. Thank you for this opportunity. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com.